You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and TJ. Can you dig that, baby? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD. Along with me for this ride, as always, is TJ. Oh, hey. Hi, TJ. Hey, what's up? Oh, not much. I tried to go gluten-free this week, and I lasted about 22 minutes and then ate a hot dog, (laughs) so (laughs) it wasn't going well. So we'll see how this goes. We'll just see how this goes. So fair enough. You're going to you're going to Endgame on Thursday. Yes, I am. Are you so, excited? So, oh my god. Okay, so me and my husband sat through all what twenty one of the Marvel films over the last four weeks, and so that's a lot. The only time we watched a movie that was not a Marvel movie in this time frame was when Lorraine Warren died. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, she yeah. was the paranormal investigator, and we watched The Nun and The Conjuring. In honor of her. But yeah, we're going to Endgame. And I I cannot wait. The reviews have already been stellar. If you guys can't tell, we're actually recording this on a Tuesday. Because on Tuesday. We, like right before though. Right before it comes out on Saturday. Right before it comes out. And so by the time this comes out, I will have already seen it. It will probably be on Instagram. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we are recording this late this week because Tracy's birthday is on Friday. So it would yeah. be yesterday. From when you're listening to this, or if you're one of our first listeners, uh, right now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but she went to San Francisco. Yeah, well, San Francisco, we just did like the West Coast line. So we only spent a little bit of time in San Francisco, and then we made our way down. We actually ended up spending most of our time in Monterey Bay Pacific Grove area because it was supposed to just be an overnight. But we loved our hotel so much. That we stayed an extra day. And there was a cemetery behind it. There was a cemetery behind it. Which is so fun. Which he made a lot of jokes when we first got there about it and like how the ghosts and the zombies were going to come get me. (laughs) But um, then the next morning, this little deer wandered through having breakfast with us and like, oh, Bambi. Yay. So we stayed. (laughs) Yeah. I Well, it was Easter weekend, of course. Last weekend was Easter weekend. And so... Our tradition was that we always go to our friend William's house and we watch a terrible, like, B-movie. And so (laughs) the first year we did it, it was Showgirls on (laughs) Easter, which seemed thematic. And then so year two, we actually found out that there was a Showgirls 2. Oh, no. So we watched that. And then last year was Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. And what? Then, <laughs> I need to see that. And then this year it was Easter Bunny bloodbath. So oh, we no. were so that's our Easter tradition. And then <laughs> there's a bonkers episode of Game of Thrones. So I actually just haven't slept that much <laughs> since the last episode. Also, before we start this episode, we just want to give you guys a little bit of a heads up if you haven't listened to the short set that we put out this Wednesday because uh number 1 it has some adult language, so if you're under the age of 13, it's probably not going to be the best episode for kids to listen to. And number two, when we actually initially sat down to do the short set, it was supposed to be just me and Tracy, but then the wonderful Adam Todd Brown actually told us that he was available, so he came in and we started recording, and we started at like 11 a.m., and then we looked at the clock and it was 330 And we had been (laughs) recording straight and we just had the best time recording. And so that's why one short set is now three short sets was because there was just, there was no point that I could actually edit a story out or, you know, not have that full part in. So, well, and realistically you get three music lovers in the same room and uh, I don't know if you've noticed the topics of these are favorite unfavorite and guilty pleasure songs so you get three music lovers in the same room and ask them to talk about music we're going to talk forever (laughs) and it's getting like 15 songs each too and so i mean it took us well five each so 15 no it was category it was 15 altogether per per person we had 15 songs oh yeah 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 so it's 
it was 45 songs that we were talking about. So realistically, I I was the dumb one for thinking that I could have edited that down to an hour. So <laughs> it would have taken us just an hour to like list it off. Silly <laughs> so, LD. So uh, for the next three months, you're going to get LD, TJ, and Tank. And if you don't know what that is, listen to the short set. Go listen to the short set. Actually, I don't think it's going to appear in the first. I don't think it appears in the first episode. It definitely appears in the second. Yeah, so. I don't think we gave him his nickname till later. Yeah. So. Oh well. Because I have the best employee in the world, and he gave me an early birthday present oh, that happened to come today. And she's only going to let me do this for this episode because it is my birthday episode. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so, so sorry. He got me. I'm so excited. He got me what is called a hype button, which does this. And I'm so did, did Can you hear it? Do we need to do it? <laughs> which if you listen to our intro episode, about I don't think us, it. No, no, no. I don't think it appeared. You didn't you didn't put my burp, 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 No, I don't in. think it I don't think it made it in. But I've I've been editing this will be our sixteenth episode, seventeenth yeah. episode. I don't remember half the stuff that was left in. Now I'll get to the story. So we're talking about uh Mac Miller today. That'll be fun. Yeah, this is somebody that I really don't know anything about. I actually remember when he died because I didn't know who he was. I, I had never heard his music. But he died within like two or three weeks of Burt Reynolds. Mac Miller was born Malcolm James McCormick on January 19th, 1992 in Point Breeze, Pittsburgh. Oh my God. 92? Yeah, he was really young when he passed away. I was 12. Uh, I was eight. Uh, His mother was Karen Myers. She was a photographer and his father is Mark McCormick. He was an architect. And he has one older brother named Miller. Miller's an uncommon name. As a first name, yeah. Yeah. His mother was Jewish and his father was Christian. Uh, While he and his brother were raised Jewish, he attended a Catholic grade school to, quote, ensure a good education and a chance to play football and lacrosse. He later went to Winchester Thurston School, which is a private co-ed prep school, and then graduated from, ta- I'm going to mess this up. Tom Hanks did it. I'm I'm allowed. He later graduated from Taylor Alderdice High School. When did Tom Hanks mess up the name of that school? So it's a funny story because I knew I probably wouldn't pronounce it right. I actually went to try to find like YouTube videos or someone actually pronouncing the school's name. And an article came up. Where apparently Tom Hanks was a speaker at something at the school and mispronounced it. But of course, they didn't tell me how to correctly pronounce it or how he pronounced it incorrectly for me to adjust. So the best I can do is Alderdice. Reasonable. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this the pronunciation podcast? No, it is not. Then you've tuned into the wrong thing. A self-taught musician, Miller played piano, guitar, drums, and bass by the age of six. Are we sensing a theme on this podcast? Like, everybody that we talk about starts super early and plays eight million instruments. Also, like, it makes me feel like I've failed at being a human. Right? (laughs) You know, I was was still eating Play-Doh at six. He first started rapping at the age of 14. Before that, he wanted to be a singer. In high school, he decided to focus on his hip-hop career, later noting, Once I hit 15, I got real serious about it, and it changed my life completely. I used to be into sports, play all the sports, go to all the high school parties. But once I found out hip-hop is almost like a job, that's all I did. So, really dedicated right out the gate. like. But like a lot of the other artists that we've been talking about, too. Yeah, but he realizes at a really young age that it's not something you can just, like, walk into and be like I'm here it's something that you have to work at and it's something that you have to you have to be dedicated to that art oh absolutely he originally went by the name easy mac (laughs) (laughs) remember he's like 14 15 can you see why he changed his name just add boiling water to him and he's ready to go I think it even would have been better to go like Mac Easy, but like I'm sorry that that joke was probably terrible, cheesy terrible joke. Oh God! 
so he originally went by the name Easy Mac and released the mixtape, But My Mackin' Ain't Easy, in 2007 at the age of 15. Yeah, his early career stuff is kind of ridiculous, so just FYI. But you have to but think he's 15. he's 15 and it's yeah. the 90s, so yeah. cheesy rap names were a thing back well, cheesy then. Cheesy kid music is still a thing. Like, it just happens. He quickly gained an enormous following as a good-natured, talented wordsmith. By 2009, he established himself as Mac Miller and released two mixtapes, The Jukebox Prelude to Class Clown and The High Life. I think right now we should kind of catch people up because if you didn't check out the Nipsey Hustle episode yet, we did look up the definition of a mixtape. And basically the definition that we kind of sussed out was that a mixtape is the music that comes before an album to get, like, get you hyped up for the next release from them. And so they'll they'll put out a mixtape or a video or you know, it's kind of like promotional material in between the LPs. So that you don't forget about them, basically. At the 2010 Pittsburgh Hip Hop Awards, Miller won the 21 and Under of the Year, Artist of the Year, and Best Hip Hop Video for Live Free. Rostrum President Benji Grinberg met Miller while recording with Wiz Khalifa at ID Labs. So Rostrum is a Pittsburgh independent record label that also obviously had Wiz Khalifa on their roster. And then ID Labs is a local recording studio there in Pittsburgh as well, just in case you didn't know. So Miller signed with the independent label Rostrum Records in July 2010 in the lead up to his mixtape KIDS, or Kids, however you like to read that. Miller has cited Big L, Lauren Hill, Beastie Boys, Outkast, and A Tribe Called Quest among his influences. But I love all of those bands. <laughs> like, all those artists are just awesome. But he actually developed a really close relationship with fellow Pittsburgh rapper Wiz Khalifa. And he is quoted as saying, Wiz has been a big brother to me with this music thing so far. Our relationship is beyond music. He really is just my homie, whether I'll be making music or not. Although Grimberg started giving Miller advice, he did not show interest in getting involved with his career until Miller began work on KIDS when, quote, he noticed a maturation in his sound and approach to his music. By that point, Miller had started attracting interest from other record companies, but chose Rostrum due to its location in his hometown and association with Wiz Khalifa. KIDS was released by Rostrum in August 2010, and during this time, Miller broke through with a focus on social media engagement, digital sales, and persistent touring due to a lack of radio airplay or mainstream features. And that's what we were talking about before, is that that's you now have a different set of hurdles to kind of get over now as an artist, because you not only have to get the attention of the record label and the DJs to play your music, but now you have to engage on social media. You have to constantly be posting on Facebook and Instagram and being on you know all the different digital platforms to be a success now. Well, it's just another way of building an engaging audience. I mean, we deal with that a little bit, too. You know, you kind of have to get your audience somehow. Now it's more attractive to a label if you have that audience built in already. In February 2011, Miller was one of 11 rappers featured in XXL's annual freshman class list of that year. Nipsey was on that list, too. Yes, he was. You're going to see a lot of parallels between Mac and Nipsey because they're kind of in the same time frame in terms of their careers and when they're coming up. And there's going to be a lot of crossover and parallel. That same month, while on tour in upstate New York, Miller and friends were arrested for possession of marijuana and had to spend the night in jail. In March 2011, Miller released his fifth mixtape, Best Day Ever. This was the album that contained the lighthearted single Donald Trump, and was actually the only official single from that album. It became his first song to chart on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, peaking at number 75, and received a platinum certification from the from the RIAA. So, as I noted, this song was released well before. It's five years before his election, and it hit set number 75 when it was first released. And it and to be fair, this was the only official single off that album, so that's why it's the only one 
the first one that actually got him clout and the only one that was noted off that album. But even though the song was released five years before his election, the song regained popularity during Trump's campaign and hit number 28 on the iTunes charts the day after the election. Miller stated in an interview that contrary to popular belief, he was not a Trump supporter and it actually led to a feud between the two. So it was kind of, I don't know that it led to the feud after the election because it seems like they were already feuding well before, like as early as 2013. Well, just kidding. Right away when it came out. When the song came out, Trump actually threatened to sue the rapper, whom he refers to consistently on Twitter as Little Mac Miller, for using his name without permission. (sighs) There's more. That's... (laughs) That's all I'm doing. There's more. When Miller got word that Trump was floating the idea of running for president in 2013, he expressed regret over naming his hit after Trump, saying, When he started running for president, I was like, Oh, F, this is horrible. I have an effing song with this dude's name, and now he's being such a douchebag. (laughs) Oh, there's more. Oh, God. So Trump was not pleased by this. So he starts firing off, as he's wont to do, he starts firing off a series of tweets slamming, quote, little Mac and calling him an ungrateful dog and taking credit for the song's success. Miller made his feelings clear in a myriad of tweets during Trump's campaign, summed up in his most volatile, quote, just please don't elect this MFing man. I just want you to tell the audience what I'm doing right now. So... We try to stay out of the political spectrum, and we try to stay unbiased. But currently, LD is sitting against the back of the couch with her hand over her face because she knows that she really can't say anything either way on this, and she has so much she wants to say. So in light of that, we're just going to do this. And move along. <laughs> whatever your feelings on him, whatever our feelings on it, we're not we're not going there. That's not what this is about. Yeah, we're not going to make this a political podcast. No. Um, we don't step into that arena. And some people might say, it's your podcast. Why don't you express your feelings? And the reason why is because we don't want to alienate anybody because our political views shouldn't reflect what we're doing here. So getting back to the story, also in March 2011, he released a six-track EP, On and On and Beyond, which became his first entry into the U.S. Billboard 200 Albums chart at number 55. So it was like a a proper... So this is an EP. Yes, it's a a proper full album and not just like one of the mixtapes or a single. It's an EP. So EPs are usually a a partial album. So it's like... Anywhere from two to four songs, generally. Okay. Like, it's not a full-length album, but it's, like, a lot of artists use them as debuts. Like, my two songs are released as an EP. Okay, got it. Like, got it. So, it's more of, it's a, it's a small album. It's like singles used to be. Right. Yeah. In October 2011, Miller released a 13-song mixtape entitled I Love Life, Thank You. Miller's debut studio album, Blue Slide Park, released on November 8th, 2011, with 144,000 first-week sales. It debuted at the top of the Billboard 200, which was the first independently distributed album to do so since the Dog Pound's 1995 release of Dog Food, which is quite an accomplishment considering he's only 19 years old at this point. Yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, which I might be, I think the Dog Pound actually had the backing or at least recognition of Snoop Dogg. Most likely, yeah. So he had, at least the Dog Pound had somebody that could like sort of propel them forward. I could be wrong on that though. So if you know, please email us in. But I really like how he names his albums. Because it, it seems like even with his mixtapes and with his proper albums, he's got such a positivity to the names of his album, like Best Day Ever, I Have a Great Life, Thank You. And it just it just kind of it makes me happy. <laughs> well, and something that you're going to see as we go into this. So 
when he started his career, so that's this is kind of like the big start of the career. Like obviously he did some stuff early on, but this is kind of where he starts really coming Say. into. This is kind of where he starts really coming into his own. Um, so you'll see this kind of early in his career. He's kind of doing this frat boy hip hop thing. Very, very well tuned to his demographic, like people in his age range that just kind of want to have fun, that youthful party crowd, you know. So he's doing that really early on, which gains him a lot of popularity early on. But then you'll see as we kind of go through the story, he shifts into being more artistically driven, using that to motivate his music more so than commercial success and popularity so he kind of evolves he really evolves as an artist so when I was researching this that was something that really started to draw me into the story is just you know really appreciating who he was as an artist and that he really wanted to evolve and develop himself along the way and actually his um that studio album Blue Slide Park is named for a place that he goes in in Pittsburgh Three songs from that album, Smile Back, Frick Park Market, and Party on Fifth Ave, charted on the Billboard 100, peaking at number 55, 60, and 64, respectively. Blue Slide Park was certified gold in the United States and Canada. So, not too shabby for a debut album. Studio album, rather. And also, I like because, other than Smile Back, again, I think that Frick Park Market and Party on Fifth Ave were again nods to his neighborhood i really like that when artists do that is like they don't forget where they came from like they they don't leave their world behind well and at this point i think he's still really based in pittsburgh because he's still with his label there yeah he's still with rostrum at this point so it makes sense that he's playing to his neighborhood you know also like that's you know when they when you start out as a as any kind of writer they say we're well, right about what you know. And so if you know your neighborhood, you can connect with the people in that neighborhood on a very base level and have that in-joke and those understandings. Like, we don't know. Like, the Fifth Avenue we know is the one in New York, and it's, you know, all ritzy and fancy. Maybe the Fifth Avenue is just where, like, guys went to play basketball or that's where they picked up the clothes that they thought was cool at the time. You know, where I come from, we have, we know what the Gale Meal means. You know, nobody else that doesn't live in my hometown, wouldn't know what the Gale Meal is. So, no. But if I sang about it, people in my hometown would know about it. Can we also just touch real quick back to this note of him, like, hustling? Because just in 2011, he released a mixtape. Well, he released two mixtapes, a six-track EP, and a studio album. Just in one year, just in 2011. That's incredible. That's an incredible that's, that's amount amazing. of music. The amount of material in that year that would have had to be written for this is like, wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. lot of material. Which just means that he was insanely talented. So moving on to 2012, so now he's 20. <laughs> March of that year, he releases his seventh mixtape, Macadelic, and its single, Loud, peaked at number 53 on the Billboard Hot 100. Many songs on the album were about his relationship with his middle school sweetheart, Nomi Leisure, whom he dated off and on until about 2016. Then in mid-2012, Miller premiered two songs produced by Pharrell Williams from a planned collaboration EP entitled Pink Slime. At least 10 tracks were completed by August 2012, according to Miller, but the project was not released despite the multi-year effort. I wonder why. No idea. But also, I want, I kind of put this in as a side note because I'm wondering if there's some for, some sort of a political reference or some, or just controversial reference here. Do you know what pink slime is? Should I be scared? I mean, it's kind of gross. What is it? So pink slime is, a, it was a term coined by the news. Um, so it's Oh, a, no, wait. Is that what McDonald's makes their chicken nuggets out of? Well, not just that. So it's actually usually beef. Um, so it's a meat byproduct used as a food additive to ground beef and beef-based processed meats. Just to jump in, yeah, it was actually 
March 2012, ABC News did a series on pink slime, which claims that approximately 70% of ground beef sold in the U.S. contained the additive at that time. So same year. Yeah. Same time frame. Yep. I had a feeling. (laughs) That's so gross. In July, producer Lord Finesse filed a $10 million lawsuit against Miller, Rostrum Records, and the distribution platform Dat Piff for the use of a sample of his song, Hip to the Game, in Miller's 2010 mixtape song, Kool-Aid and Frozen Pizza, which was settled out of court. That is so much money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It was settled out of court, like I say, um, and the details and stipulations were kept confidential. So I don't really know how, what all happened with well, that. Well, in that case, usually when they settle, it usually is like they'll, they'll state how much the plaintiff was trying to get. I was just reading an article about the, the guy who was the yodeler for Yahoo. <laughs> and apparently the deal that he had struck with, with Yahoo was that they could use it as like a regional commercial. And then they basically use it as, like, branding. Yeah. And so he was like, that's not the deal. So he was seeking a, I think, $5 million suit, and then they settled out of court. But they won't, they can't even speculate as to how much that he got because they start signing those non-disclosure agreements. Right. And that's part of the settlement, especially when it's against an artist or a big corporation. They they usually will not talk about how what they settled on. Right. Which makes sense. So... It's been well established that Miller often spoke very openly and very candidly about his struggle with substance abuse and depression. So as I kind of noted earlier, like we're going to be doing this kind of chronologically of when incidents come up. He was very open about it. So it was easier to cite dates and years to when he was off and on everything. Which is good because then you don't have to speculate whether or not they were trying to hide it or whether or not it was a taboo subject within their fan base or their family. So Yeah, no, he was incredibly open about it. So to manage stress during his Macadelic tour in 2012, Miller began taking promethazine and later became addicted to purple drank, also known as lean. Um, so purple drank, if you don't know, I looked it up. So I, d- I don't. What is purple drank? So I looked it up for this express purpose. Purple drink is made up of prescription strength cough syrup and a soft drink like Mountain Dew or Sprite. Occasionally with a Jolly Rancher thrown in for added sweetness. Oh, God, that sounds awful. Yeah, it's gross. Prescription strength cough syrup, if you've ever had to had this, um, I, I unfortunately get it usually about once a year because of the lovely allergy season for me always brings on at least one upper respiratory infection. Go pollen. Prescription strength cough syrup contains both codeine and promethazine. And the promethazine induces a liver enzyme to make the codeine much stronger than it would be alone. Which is kind of why it knocks you out when you have to take it. But the cough syrup in purple drink is used in doses that can exceed up to 25 times what is recommended. I don't know if you remember, but like in the, I think it became a thing in like the 90s where people would robo roll. Have you heard of that? No. It's basically you would drink a bottle of Robitussin. Oh, okay. Yeah. To get high. I mean, that sounds awful. So yeah, I'm guessing they're probably mixing, well, probably because the prescription bottle probably has about 25 doses in it so they're probably taking a prescription bottle and dumping it into this drink that that sounds horrifying i'm sorry that's i don't even like taking cough medicine when i'm sick (laughs) yeah so he's 20 at this time and he's openly talking about talking about this he's actually miller told complex in January 2013, because he's still using at that point, he says, I love lean. It's great. I was not happy, and I was on lean very heavy. I was so effed up all the time. It was bad. My friends couldn't even look at me the same. I was lost. He quit taking promethazine in 2012. So sorry, he wasn't still using at the time. He was recalling when he was using in that 2013 interview. So this was before he started shooting his reality show, called Mac Miller and the Most Dope Family, which released in 2013 and ran for two seasons on MTV2, I think. Ended in 2014. 
The show followed the production of his upcoming second studio album, Watching Movies with the Sound Off. Again, I love that name. This is a great name for an album. Yeah. (laughs) But you'll notice it's a little bit darker, a little bit more artistic than his earlier album names. I don't know. I, I, I can kind of see it, but I mean, it's still, it's still awesome. I mean, he, he's got really good album names. That kind of goes back to where I was talking about earlier, that initially he was counted as a member of that, that frat rap genre of the early 2010s. Miller's career was defined by a refusal to fit in an artistic box. So this is kind of where he starts branching out artistically. He released an EP entitled You under the alias Larry Lovestein and the Velvet Revival on November 21st, 2012. (laughs) And rather than rap, the EP features Miller crooning over lounging jazz instrumentals. I love it. Isn't that great? I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not as well versed on his music as I am, say, someone like... You know, Lisa, when like the music from when I was growing up, because that that inevitably is what happens. You get to be an old miserable hag like me, and you go back to the music of your childhood. Right. So I'm not as well versed on Mac Miller, but just hearing a his story and b the names of his albums and kind of you know what the baseline is for them, I really just want to go and just have a chill day and listen to Mac Miller now. I know I really had fun with this, and that was the thing is that. I mean, I'm going to have as much fun as I can with it, considering. But that was the thing. And I think, honestly, you have a little bit more to draw from because he does have these side projects. He also served as a record producer for various other artists, including himself, under the pseudonym Larry Fisherman. (laughs) No joke. I just feel like he's one of the coolest people we've talked about. Yeah. I could have hung out with him. After his Larry Lovestein EP... In early 2013, Miller founded the record label imprint Remember Music, named after a friend who died. And on March 4th, Miller released the mixtape Run on Sentences Volume 1, solely featuring instrumentals made by himself under his production alias, Larry Fisherman. Now see, that's like a thing though. Artists giving themselves like alter egos, because Garth Brooks had Chris Gain. Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. Lady Gaga has someone. She does something. So I feel like we need alter egos. Well, we have our nick- nicknames. I do but, have alter egos. But what 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 is your alter ego? What's her name? I have two of them. Really? What are they? I mean, they're very similar to my actual name. But it's Whiskey Jane and Gypsy Jane. I only have, much like myself, I only need one name. And even for my uh, alter egos... I only need one name, and that is Banner. Banner? Banner. Like Bruce Banner? Yep. Of course. (laughs) I work with nerds. (laughs) I'm going to go see Endgame. Back to Mac. Okay. Are you leaving the hype button here? Yes. (laughs) Well, I might bring it back and forth with me, because I think I might need it for a little while at home. (laughs) <laughs> Although I have a feeling it's going to scare the ever-loving crap out of my poor dog, so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it may come home with me just so Chip can see it, <laughs> and then I'll bring it back, and then it'll live here. So after his production as Larry Fisherman, oh, that was what I was going to say on this. So the alter ego thing, like I think it's something that's becoming common with artists more and more so because. It does give you that opportunity to kind of step outside of what your fans know you for without them getting upset. Well, it's interesting that you say that because on the one hand, it really does work for Beyonce with Sasha Fierce. And then people were baffled by Garth Brooks as Chris Gaines. Yeah, that made no sense at all. Actually, there is a reason for it. So here's a little musication. I just made that word up. Okay. Write it down. Um, the reason why Garth Brooks became Chris Gaines for the one album was that he was cast in a film, and it was supposed to be about a rocker named Chris Gaines. And so he was supposed to play that part, oh, and so right. he created this whole album look, 
persona and it flopped and the movie was never released. And so that's what the Chris Gaines was for. I do remember that now that now that you mention it, I do remember that. And I, and I get it. It makes sense. But like I say, I think that that's kind of something like with Beyonce, Sasha Fierce and like, you know, Mac Miller's Larry Lovestein and then Larry Fisherman. I think it's just giving them an outlet to explore other aspects of their artistic, their creativity and their artistry without fans getting upset that it's such a stretch from what they've come to love about that artist. Yeah, it's not normally what they're used to hearing from, because I keep going back to it, but it's what's stuck in my head right now. Lady Gaga has a very eclectic sound, but you can still put your finger on it and say, this is Lady Gaga. This sounds like Lady Gaga. Right. Beyonce has that same thing. Maroon 5 even has that same thing. They have like that that lick that they do. Yeah. In all their songs like that, this almost like the slapping guitar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can point your finger and go, that's Maroon 5. That's the Beastie Boys. That's, they, they all have their signature sound. And for them to be able to step out of that and be able to explore is something that's really good about having established yourself already. So you have these relationships within the music industry. It's not like you're starting fresh. Well, and especially since when you're already a solo artist versus part of a band, it's even more so. I mean, can you imagine if you were frat rap? Mac Miller fan from 2010 and then all of a sudden you get all excited to go buy the new Mac Miller album and it's him crooning over jazz instrumentals you'd be livid you'd be so upset so we're in 2013 March so later that month Miller featured on actress and singer Ariana Grande's lead single The Way for her debut album Yours Truly the song is Miller's highest peak on the Billboard Hot 100 at number nine and was certified triple platinum by the RIAA. And then, as most people know, if you followed his career at all or entertainment news, he and Ariana Grande would end up dating later on from August 2016 until May 2018. But we're still in 2013, so that hasn't started yet. As his career progressed, Miller quickly began to delve into more artistically daring and often darker fare, as I've mentioned already. So watching movies with the sound off was a far cry from the sound he'd burst onto the scene with, with Donald Trump. It featured elastic rapping and more mature themes than what Miller had been known for, kicking off an artistic reinvention that he would continue to develop for the rest of his career. The album released on June 18, 2013, to generally positive reviews, with most critics praising his new psychedelic sound. The album debuted at number three on the Billboard 200, selling 102,000 copies in its first week. He released three singles from the album, SDS, Watchy Movies, and Goosebumps with a Z. I'm so glad that you told me that it was the Z. I felt it was important. That's very important. The album featured appearances from Schoolboy Q, Absol, Earl Sweatshirt, Tyler, the creator, Action Bronson, and Jay Electronica. And yes, that guy's name is Earl Sweatshirt, in case you were wondering. According to Miller, the album is, quote, very introspective and very personal. So it's kind of throwing it all out there and seeing what happens. In collaboration with Vince Staples, Miller produced the mixtape Stolen Youth under the moniker Delusional Thomas. Miller self-produced and released the self-titled mixtape Delusional Thomas in October. So here we have another alias. In December 2013, Miller released a live album, Live from Space, recorded during his space migration tour. Miller parted ways with Rostrum Records when his contract expired in January 2014. That May, Miller independently released his 10th solo mixtape, Faces. Colin Stutz of Billboard wrote that the 24-track mixtape quote, shows Miller introspective, ruminating over his drug use, fame, and past. Pitchfork's Craig Jenkins called Faces his, quote, most consistently honest and personal work to date. Miller later reflected on Faces, noting his drug-addled lifestyle while recording it. So again, we're seeing that back and forth with the substance abuse. But what's really interesting is it doesn't seem like you have any, like, arrest records. Yet. Fair enough. Backing off the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, well, yeah, I cited earlier that he got arrested for marijuana possession. 
Although Faces was released as a free project in 2015, the 70s funk band Aquarian Dream filed a $150,000 lawsuit against Miller for sampling the band's song Yesterday Was So Nice Today in Miller's song Therapy. Mac and team reportedly reached out to the band to get clearance, but when they didn't get a response, they went ahead with the song and release. At this point, while he was recording Faces, Miller was taking drugs daily and felt that the final track on Faces, entitled Grand Finale, was, quote, supposed to be the last song he made on Earth. Which, that's rough. That is, I hate... This has happened a couple times on the podcast where they've done something like that. You know, they had that premonition or that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's it's scary. Well, and I think this is kind of where he starts going back and forth a little bit because... So it's kind of out of the timeline a little bit. But so we're counting while he's recording faces. He recounts to Billboard in an interview in August of 2015 that he was, quote, definitely way healthier, but not completely sober. In October 2014, Miller signed a recording contract and distribution deal for Remember Music with Warner Brothers Records for a reported $10 million. (laughs) Wow. So Remember would be, I'm guessing, in the Warner family. Yeah, which means that they have more reach and more backing. Yep. Miller's first studio album with Warner Brothers, and I'm not sure how it should be said but it looks like good am but it's like g o colon o d am so it's probably supposed to be like good morning no that's really but it's really cool the way it's written is really cool it's g o o d and then the colon sorry it's g o colon o d am so yeah it's like good morning <laughs> so good morning debuted at number four on the Billboard 200. The album was certified gold in the single weekend featuring Miguel was certified platinum by the RIAA. Miller began work on his next studio album immediately after completing Good Morning, wanting to explore the emotion of love, the Divine Feminine released in September 2016. So again, more artistic. So he was dating Ariana Grande at this point. I believe... So, I think they started dating, I said in August. Uh, Yeah, so he is dating her at this point because they started dating in in August of 2016, but it's only September, so I don't know how much influence she would have had on the album. I don't know. I mean, they didn't really, the articles that I was looking at didn't really cite a lot of that. Yeah. The album features Miller singing nearly as much as rapping and incorporates genres such as R&B, jazz, and funk. It received positive reviews with Pitchfork stating that the album was succinct and refined in its portrayal of love, consequently accentuating Miller's artistry. So it's interesting because in the beginning he's strictly rapping. Yeah. And so now he's moved on to actually singing and rapping. Well, we saw that with his, what was it, Larry Lovestein? So he's kind of merging the two personalities at this point. I think he's still experimenting a little bit and just evolving and figuring, you know, his fans will either like it or not. You know, he's he very much leaned towards the artistic side and those creative adventures versus always being commercial, needing to be commercially successful. Got it. Divine Feminine debuted at number two on the Billboard 200 and number one on Billboard's top R&B hip hop albums chart in the 2016 documentary entitled stop making excuses miller opened up about substance abuse in a very candid talk and even made a chilling admission saying i'd rather be the corny white rapper than the drugged out mess that can't even get out of his house overdosing is just not cool adding there's no legendary romance you don't go down in history because you overdosed you just die wow And fans found that particularly chilling because even though the documentary was made in 2016, a lot of people didn't find it until after his death and felt that that was incredibly ironic, you know, but it's really, he knew the struggles that he was facing and he knew what he wanted. And the documentary 
kind of led him again. It was him kind of saying like he was sick of being that way after stating. And that's my opinion. I mean, my take on it. After stating he quote hated being sober in the 2016 documentary, Miller had become sober for three months, noting his better mood and maintained creativity. However, when asked about his sobriety in April 2017, Miller said that he was now, quote, living regularly. So I'm guessing that means he actually living regularly for him meant maybe going backwards. I, I'm not sure. That's the only, like, that's. Again, we don't, we don't. I can't speculate on here because. Yeah. You don't know someone's mindset. And even if you have been in their shoes, like even if you've been, if you've had that addiction, you don't know the headspace that they were in when they made that statement. So right, it's not up for us to speculate. It's just literally something he said. Yep. After a year-long period of sobriety, he began to drink again. According to tweets from Ariana Grande, his substance abuse was a reason for their breakup. In May 2018, Miller was arrested on DUI and hit and run charges after allegedly crashing into and knocking down a power pole and fleeing the scene with two passengers. Wow. That'll get you arrested. Oh, yeah. After running his license plate number from the scene, police obtained his address and Miller confessed to the crash when police arrived at his home. Miller was taken into custody and released on $15,000 bail. In August, he was charged with two counts of driving under the influence for the incident. Now, how do they know that, though? What? How do they know that he was driving under the influence? Because you got to think, okay. Because he confessed. I know, but even then, like, don't they have to have concrete proof that he was... I'm not... Look, I do not at all condone drunk driving. I have had three of my friends be taken from me at the hands of a drunk driver. I'm just saying, how do they back that up? Because there's got to be a certain amount of time that goes in between the, oh, this power pole went out. Let's check the footage. Check the footage. Run the plate. Go to his house. You know? At that point, his blood alcohol content would have dropped. I'm just I'm just curious. Maybe. I'm just wondering. But again, I mean... It doesn't matter. He confessed. It doesn't matter. He confessed to it. So maybe, you know, without speculating, I have no idea how if they had any other testing done or anything like that. I mean, that was not any information that I was a, that I found. So yeah, this is also the incident that prompted that kind of infamous Ariana Grande tweet that came out a lot surrounding his passing of her tweeting, please take care of yourself. There's a lot of speculation that that was directed towards him after hearing the news of that accident. She didn't, put anything else in it all it says is please take care of yourself but miller's fifth studio album swimming was released in august 2018 to positive reviews from critics the album featured collaborations with thundercat and john mayer and was more artistic endeavor with lyrics that discussed both his sobriety and his recent dui it was his most critically acclaimed album to date marking a return to the commercial success he had seen in his early career Pitchfork described the album as consisting of, quote, wistful soul and warm funk through his exploration of heartbreak and his own mental health issues. Swimming debuted at number three on the Billboard 200, his fifth consecutive top five charting album release in the U.S. And then this leads us to the not so fun research portion of the podcast. But again, every episode of this podcast, except the short sets, except the short sets, and sometimes even that one ends in death. Yep. It's all we all know where this is leading. On September 7th, 2018, Miller was found unresponsive in his Studio City home by his personal assistant, who called 911 and performed CPR until paramedics arrived. Miller was pronounced dead on the scene at 11:51 a.m. from a suspected drug overdose. He was only 26 years old. I haven't even figured out what I wanted to be by age 26, and he's got a whole career behind him. Mhm. So, so incredibly sad. Like, I know we do a lot of joking on this, but like when it actually comes down to the artist's actual passing, there's nothing to joke about that, especially when they've, they've spent their life struggling against addiction and, you know, thank God he was so open and honest about it. I mean, 
That's the thing. He was incredibly open about it. And I would encourage to go and watch that documentary if you are trying to kind of get it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't 100% walk in somebody else's shoes or know 100% what they were feeling, what they were thinking at any given moment. With his album Swimming released just that August, uh, he was actually scheduled for a video shoot the day following his death. Miller was buried at Homewood Cemetery in his hometown of Pittsburgh in a Jewish funeral. He had spent a lot of time there as a kid, and it was featured in the music video for Nike's On My Feet. He had stated in an interview, In fourth grade, I remember going in there with shit to smoke, then trying to smoke it to see what would happen to us. I started smoking way before I started drinking. On September 11th, 2018, thousands of fans held a vigil in Miller's honor at Pittsburgh's Blue Slide Park in respect to his 2011 debut album of the same name. After his death, the single Self Care from the album Swimming rose to number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. Rose to number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100, his highest peak as lead artist. Its album was posthumously nominated for Best Rap Album of, at the 61st Annual Grammy Awards. A tribute concert, Mac Miller, A Celebration of Life, was held on October 31st, 2018 in Los Angeles. Many of his friends and collaborators performed and provided messages at the concert. Proceeds raised benefited the newly established Mac Miller Circles Fund, which aims to support youth arts and community building programs in his memory. As of January 2019, the charity has raised over $700,000. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's, and again, I love that part of the story where you find out how even in death they make an impact and can maybe touch a life and make it better. On November 5th of 2018, the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office determined that Miller died from an accidental drug overdose due to a, quote, mixed drug toxicity of fentanyl alcohol and cocaine what do you think is like the tipping point like could you do alcohol and cocaine and be okay do the fentanyl and the alcohol and be okay do the fentanyl and the cocaine and be okay but like you throw that third one in no idea i mean honestly too a lot of it depends on your tolerances and stuff or like you build a tolerance to certain things but and then you usually the overdose tends to be that you've built a tolerance and then you think you're fine, and then you go too far. Or you don't feel it right away, and then you go too far. Yeah. Miller's peers shared their memories and condolences on social media following his death and have continued to pay homage and tribute to him as recently as this year's Coachella festivals. In addition to her tribute to him alongside Sync at Coachella, Ariana Grande has frequently paid tribute to him, in addition to several shared Facebook memories, Twitter posts, Instagram... She also has paid tribute to him at the start of her recent Sweetener tour in March, playing his songs in the arena ahead of her show. And that was like this, this Coachella, like this last yeah, Coachella, like 2019 like Coachella. two weekends ago. Having remained close following their breakup, she also took in his dog, Myron, who is featured heavily now on her Instagram account. That is so sweet. And she got his little paw print tattooed on her foot. In the aftermath, I say all this because in the aftermath of Miller's death, many fans blamed Grande for his passing. However, there's no indication that this is true. Like, it got so bad that she had to, like, turn off the comments on her social media pages because people were inundating her with just negative and hateful comments, blaming her for this, you know, emotional response to it all of, like, well, she broke up with him and she could have saved him or he did this because of that. And that's not really fair to her. Like, no, I agree. That's not fair. Don't put that blame on her, you know. So I think it was really, it's just really important to note that they were really close still, even though they had broken up. And he was even stayed really supportive of her and her career. Like they were still friends. But the year of sobriety that he had was when he was with her. Yeah, but it's not her fault. No, no, no. I'm saying like. He achieved sobriety when they were together. Right. So but it's not her fault because he had restarted before they broke up. Yeah. I mean, and it's not it's, fair to expect her to stay in a really. I'm not going to speculate on it. No, no, no. And I'm just it's not unless you know the whole situation. Don't don't do that to people, especially on social media, because one comment begets another comment. 
And Mm -hmm. in the end, you're essentially doing to that person what you are blaming them for. Right. And I would like to point out as well, well documented, that in the days leading up to his death, Miller was actually really excited and tweeting about his upcoming tour dates in October to support the swimming album, saying, quote, I wish it started tomorrow. In what would be his last ever interview with New York Magazine, Miller revealed that he had been struggling with depression and frankly addressed his mental health and substance abuse issues. Quote, I really wouldn't want just happiness, and I don't want just sadness either, he said. I don't want to be depressed. I want to be able to have good days and bad days. I can't imagine not waking up sometimes and being like, I don't feel like doing shit. And then having days where you wake up and you feel on top of the world. That's the quote I'm going to leave it on. That's a good quote. Because he did struggle and he was open about it. And that's what he was trying to achieve was just being able to be normal or feel normal. Yeah. I mean, I don't. The ones like the, the the ones that in this way are probably for me the toughest because he was so young. He had so much. People say that Freddie Mercury was sad at his passing because he had so much music left inside of him. And that's kind of how I view when someone who's so young and so promising passes because, I mean, he pumped out so much music in the 11 years that he was properly making music that it's sad that we won't get to hear what else was in store. You know, it's just I enjoy researching a story like Max because one, I didn't know very much about him going in and two, I get to learn. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm sure that it's just we get so close to them learning all about them. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for him artistically and even just the the tenacity and that courage to be that open about what you're struggling with in the public eye and trying to make changes and knowing that that maybe it didn't work out or that you just try again. And I just have a lot of respect for him uh, all around, you know. And we do live in this great era where there are so many resources that you, you can seek out the help you need, whether it's addiction, depression, anything like that. There are so many outlets of trained professionals that can actually put you on the right path. But, you know, we we would like to be a sounding board if anybody has any opinions that they like to share with us or anything that they would like to share with us. That was an excellent episode, Tracy. You've kind of inspired me to go listen to some Mac Miller now. Yeah. Well, not now, now, because it's 1130 and I'm so ready to go to bed. We're going to go to bed. Like, and if you were tracking when we first started, we said it's nine o'clock. It's late. Now we're saying it's 1130. Now, you know what goes into these podcasts to entertain. (laughs) We'd like to welcome our two newest Patreons because I cannot remember if we actually thanked Amanda again. I'm getting old and my memory is lost, but... Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, We got your request, and I'm actually going to be working on that one. So you get that one from me because I absolutely love this. um, I love this artist, and so I stole it. (laughs) But we'd like to welcome our other newest Patreon, Carrie Jo. Go ahead and push the button. I know you want to push the button. You get to do Carrie Jo. Yeah. So if you would like to be a part of our Patreon family, we have two levels there right now. Uh, One is Thank You Cleveland for a dollar. You get a shout out. If you do it at the $5 groupie level, we still have a couple slots left for our Patreon chosen subjects. So get on to that train while it's still in the station. So if you want to join our Patreon... You can find our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can find us on Twitter at rock and roll LT. You can find our Facebook group at rock and roll heaven pod. Our Instagram is rock and roll heaven LT. Why am I going up on all my words? I don't know. (laughs) I'm still not going to say our website name, but we're getting so close to being able to purchase purchase the the website. Yeah, get the domain and we'll... We get all kinds of stuff when we get the domain. And you can email us at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. 
And that is our episode for this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us with this episode. Uh, Tracy worked really hard. We're in like go mode on both of our jobs. And so we're really sorry that we maybe sound kind of loopy and tired. But in like two more weeks, we'll have a little bit of... Maybe you will. (laughs) Well, I will (laughs) because then I will be off that job. But... Like literally, I think what two weeks later I go. But then there. you come back to work with me. So. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so sorry if we sound like uber tired, but we're in super go mode at both of our jobs. So, so what you're saying? Sorry if we sound tired, but it's because we are so tired. Doesn't mean we don't love you guys, which is why we still do this anyways. Exactly. So, thanks so. for listening, everybody, and thank you again to our new Patreons. And thank you for our new Patreons. You guys are amazing. We love you. And we literally couldn't do the show without you. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't checked out the short set from this week, go ahead and check that out if you're over the age of 13. And other than that, so check our episode out next week. Thank you for checking out this week's episode. Keep rocking in the free world. Tracy, can you tuck me into bed? No, but I can wake you up. Oh, God. Last one, I promise, because <laughs> it's my birthday soon, and I'm tired, and that makes me happy. Well, happy birthday, Tracy. I love you, and I'm Thank so glad you. that you're my pod sister. Thank you, pod sisters. I love you. I love you. I think I think I see where it going this one e Hey hey been around the world and back yeah I did that still kick raps at cars and packs to where my kids at these motherfuckers hating sounding funnier than Sinbad I'm ill as the pills that they give you when you collapse this sad the other kiss your mother with that mouth we the assholes that she warned you about we just storming the house open doors to a cloud got an assortment of style just be sure that it's well 6 30 in the morning and there still ain't signs of slowing down twin sisters getting wasted so they both are down it's going down thought I told you man if you trying to party let me see you raise your There's hand a party on fifth To do. Hey, what's the difference between me and you? I know I'm believing you. I'm fired in Beetlejuice. Don't count on the sheep to snooze. I'm fucked up off weed and booze. I party to sleep till noon. What everyday people do. So wait and see me in boots. Give me a week or two. See when you read the news, my bitches all sleeping new. My rhyme talent is why my album is fly. Your favorite record, you gon' put it aside. It's that old school shit sounding good in the ride. And fuck ten, I'm only counting to nine. Said it's that old school shit sounding good in the ride. So let's head out to the party out there. There's a party on fifth If you tryna go, I can be there in like 20. I'm a monkey and come running cause we gotta hit the road. We gotta hit the road. Make sure you got a clean shirt, clean pants, new shoes. What you buy there, you shoes. There's a party on fifth air tonight. And that's what I'm trying to do. What's going on? There's a party. Hope your neighbors don't mind us getting loud. Homies to the left, all the ladies to the right. We came to get down. We gon' do that now. My light up shoes on, my light up shoes on, my light up shoes on. They love the way my kicks flash. This ain't the time to just sit back. Cause there's a party on fit there. There's a party on fit there. I can be there in like 20. I'm a hunk and then come running. Cause we gotta hit the road. We gotta hit the road. Make sure you got a clean shirt, clean pants, new shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.